Welcome to the Innovation and Compliance Podcast, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Join us every week as we talk with industry innovators who are making compliance to help business run more efficiently and at the end of the day, more profitably. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist. I'm back again for another episode, and you're in for a real treat today because I think we have the person with the longest title that we have had on this podcast series, Jared Connors. He is a subject matter expert, corporate social responsibility at Ascent Compliance. So Jared, with that well-worn and lengthy title, welcome. Thank you, Tom. Happy to be here. So Jared and I have had the opportunity to work on several projects together over the years, and he really has, a, uh, I think, a unique background that I'm going to ask him to describe in a minute, but it's around supply chain and CSR and compliance. So we've worked that on a few projects together. I've been able to uh, see his knowledge of these, the first two areas, certainly coupled with compliance, brings a new dimension to the compliance field. And today, we're really going to visit about the intersection of those three areas. So, Jared, uh, why don't you detail for our audience a little bit about your background, uh, starting in supply chain, how you got over to CSR, and how you got to Ascent? Sure. So, my background is in electronics, and I started out in the early 2000s in a procurement organization for a major electronics company. And one of the first things I was tasked with was product regulatory compliance. So, That's a European regulation called ROHS, Reduction of Hazardous Substances. And uh, my first task was to build a library internally within the procurement group of substance declarations for our piece parts, for uh, basically our motherboards for the inside of a laptop. So if you're looking at your laptop right now and you think of that motherboard that uh, basically uh, enables the chip, all of those hundreds of parts we had to collect individual substance declarations for. So I went from there from a kind of a natural fit for me anyway. Some people that work in product regulatory have a tendency to stay in product regulatory or have chemistry backgrounds. But being in the procurement group, there was a major gap in the way that we address certain supply chain risks. So we started working on various, uh, we would call them social audits of suppliers In the electronics industry, we actually did this a lot as an association group. So I also represented my company to a group then called the EICC, Electronics Industry Citizenship Coalition, now called the RBA, Responsible Business Alliance. And back then, in those early days, there was very, very few of us in the room, maybe a total of about eight representing our organizations. And we would get together and talk about ways to evaluate corporate social responsibility aspects of our supply chain. And we had a code of conduct that we developed as a group. And we would audit our suppliers against that code of conduct. And because we not necessarily said openly in the room, but we all knew we shared a lot of the same suppliers, we wanted a consistent way to deliver an audit to these suppliers such that the supplier wasn't being overly burdened, and also that we were getting consistent results from the suppliers and helping to drive corrective actions in a a consistent way. And so that naturally evolved to lead me into other paths of corporate social responsibility, other aspects of corporate social responsibility, including conflict minerals. That was a big one for me for several years, working on that program internally, and then again, representing the association and then also looking at other avenues of risk in supply chain. And as we go through this, we tend to evolve based on hot topics as a CSR group, if you will. 
out there. For example, one day it's you know substance regulations, the next day it's human trafficking and slavery, and how do we address those things? And we start to tackle issue after issue until we build up a repertoire of ways that we're addressing issues, and we build up that repertoire to help ensure that we're asking a consistent message of our suppliers, and we're doing it all at once so we're not overburdening the suppliers. So a little bit about my background to, and how that led me into Ascent. Ascent is a supply chain or third-party risk software provider. And here at Ascent, I sit on the regulatory team. And this is very unique in the industry of software in general, not just regulatory software or CSR software, in that we have a dedicated regulatory team that goes out, sits in within industry association meetings, standards bodies. We uh, gather information on where things are headed. We help influence standards that are going to meet our clients' expectations. And then we bring that information back internally to our product team to talk about how we should develop functionality to meet the needs of the market. And I say that's unique because most organizations don't have that dedicated regulatory team that's kind of an internal think tank, if you will. Most people actually put that, or most companies put that role on their product management group to go out and understand the market and then bring that back internally. Our product managers are very connected to the market as well, but we represent that unique opportunity to really dedicate ourselves to those industry associations and standards organizations, because if we don't, we're not accurately representing our clients. That's a little bit about my background and how I support compliance for our organization now. So, Jared, that really leads me into the uh, discussion I wanted to have with you, which is around, obviously, innovation and compliance, but really it's the impact of CSR on compliance, as I've heard you talk about it. So if you could start by perhaps explaining for us how do compliance and CSR integrate and what's the innovation that Ascent brings to that? Sure, that's a really good question. And in fact, I did a presentation at the SCCE, a regional event for SCCE, just a couple months ago on this topic because compliance officers in general are looking more at corporate social responsibility. And the reason why is because of the severity of the level of impact to the organization that reputational risk issues present. And also because there is now this trend in regulating corporate social responsibility. So what do I mean by that? So the EU non-financial reporting directive would be one example of that, or French duty of care would be another example of that if people want to Google this as they're looking along. But these are really um, kind of catalyst uh, regulatory requirements that say we're going to start actually creating expectations for non-financial reporting for corporate social responsibility initiatives. If I go back to my background in my days working for many years in corporate social responsibility, my interaction with the compliance team was very rare. And it really only happened when we had a major issue come out. And I don't mean that a survey revealed something about a particular supplier because as a CSR representative, you know, I would take care of that through corrective actions and feedback with the supplier. What I mean is maybe something came out in the media Maybe something came out from an NGO report about a supplier and named our organization and compliance would become involved because they're dealing reactively with some of these issues that I'm trying to address from a corporate social responsibility aspect proactively every day. And so now what I see is this trend where compliance and CSR organizations are starting to link up more because of the value of being proactive in CSR leads to less compliance issues later on. And what I mean by that is there are 
organizations that have very robust corporate social responsibility aspects that are programs that look at aspects of supply chain behaviors that say, this is what you're doing today, but I really need you to be doing this tomorrow. For example, what's the governance? What's the overall governance of your program? And what sort of policies and procedures do you have in place to ensure that you're not going to create behaviors or situations that are going to impact my organization? Compliance organizations in general are now being a part of that to help influence the direction of corporate social responsibility programs to ensure that we are being more proactive in the way that we're addressing risk issues so that if something does occur, we're able to react to those much better or we're able to mitigate the possibility of those issues coming out more. So putting that to Ascent and what we do, Ascent has very proactive programs modules within our software, if you will, that address specific risk issues. And we're able to report back to the compliance team, to the CSR team, what we're identifying, what we're finding within supply chains, and help them come up with action plans on how to address those so that they can avoid those hits. We're also including tools that are cornerstones, if you will, for compliance officers, such as adverse media reviews. This is relatively new for corporate social responsibility professionals as myself to be able to utilize something like that. So when we talk about corporate social responsibility, oftentimes one of our mainstays is questionnaires. And one of the first things that compliance teams ask is, well, what are you doing the other 11 and a half months of the year if you're sending the supplier a questionnaire? And so we need to incorporate the best practices of both worlds, the the cornerstones of both worlds, if you will, compliance and CSR, into one toolkit that can be effective for the CSR group. And adverse media is just one tiny example of a way where a compliance officer has been using that for many years for bribery and corruption or money laundering, reviews of third parties, typically intermediaries, downstream channel partners and resellers. Why not now take those aspects and put them into play for the upstream, for the supply chain to be able to review the behaviors of the supply chain? So that's a little bit about how Ascent is merging the two groups and helping answer the questions that come up from both groups and how we can get these two groups to communicate together and work together so that both groups have their needs satisfied. So, Jared, let me phrase it in a little bit different way and see if what I heard was really what you were trying to communicate. What I heard was the more proactive role by CSR with compliance actually leads not only to greater compliance efficiency, but greater business efficiency. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I think that What that means is that companies are learning how to use corporate social responsibility as a strategic advantage. I'll tell you an interesting story from my past. When I was very first a rookie in CSR, and I was working in that industry association group, we were in a room in, I think, in Austin, Texas somewhere, and one of our executive sponsors came in from another company, another electronics company, and he came in to do a presentation to us about the impacts and value of being good corporate social citizens. And back then, some organizations were calling it ESG, Environmental, Social, and Governance. And so we kind of bounced between those two acronyms quite regularly. But he gave an interesting quote on CSR in his presentation. And I really took this as a motivation when he said this. And he quoted Milton Friedman. And Milton Friedman said in his book, he said, A corporation's responsibility is to make as much money for the shareholders as possible. And he asked us in the group, in the small group, 
to debate that quote and what that meant for social responsibility. Does that mean that social responsibility will always take a back burner seat to our efforts? And he's challenging us to make corporate social responsibility a strategic advantage for the organization by giving us that quote. And then at the, at the end of this conversation, he then gave us another quote from just a few pages later in Capitalism and Freedom, Milton Freeman's book. And he said, in a free economy, there is only one social responsibility of business. It's to use its resources and engage in activities designed to increase its profits so long as it stays within the rules of the game. And then just a paragraph or two below, there's a quote that says, it is the responsibility of the rest of us to establish a framework of law. And that was a really powerful moment in my early career in CSR, because rather than going out and taking this aspect of what can we do to spend money, what can we do to make things better, we needed to look at things to say, how are we going to make the organization better? How are we going to create this CSR program to be a strategic advantage for our organization? How are we going to do this for cost savings for our organization? How are we going to do this to reduce the risk impact or the cost of compliance for our organization? So that was a moment in my early career that I've always remembered to say, this is something that as CSR professionals, we always need to bear in mind as we're going forward with creation of our programs or the goals or the KPIs of what we're trying to produce as we gather information from our supply chain. So that really leads to the next point I'd like to explore with you, Jared, which is the development of a broader CSR program to proactively address reputational risk. But let me overlay that with something you said a little bit earlier, which really struck me as very powerful, which is that the CSR professional can go to the compliance professional with this information and they can jointly tell your third party partner, this is what we need you to do next year. And that's obviously proactively addressing a potential risk, but that's the point that struck me as the greater efficiency. We can tell from our information how you can help us be more efficient next year and probably at the end of the day, help yourself. So how does uh, that broader CSR program help to proactively address that? Sure. So I had mentioned when I was describing my background about how in my history of CSR, we've, you know, the learning that I've, the programs that I've been a part of have always been that hot topic piece. Today, it's bribery and corruption. Tomorrow, it's uh, human trafficking and slavery. And what I've learned in my career is that in really, in order to be efficient and develop that program that's more effective to proactively reduce the risks and get the suppliers to make behavioral changes is that we need to think more broadly when we look at CSR. And a lot of companies do this today because they base their question sets, if you will, or their supplier engagements off of their code of conduct. And so they're looking at a variety of topics within their code of conduct, and they're trying to address these things at once. Because sometimes when you think about synergies between these, it helps the supplier relate these issues better. And so here's an example of that. Labor rights is a very big issue right now. Modern day slavery regulations are coming up all over. We've got them in the US. We've got them in the UK. Australia is developing similar regulations. Canada is considering it. These things are popping up all over the globe. And companies that are either directly traded within those countries or have business operations in those countries of certain size have to comply with those regulations. And so what we do sometimes is we focus exclusively on those things, 
And when we focus too much on one topic with blinders on, we don't see the other synergies that come into play. And so I think of when we do social audits, if you will, of supply chain, one of the first things I think of are factory conditions. And we say, oh, well, health and safety is a different animal. We need to treat that differently. Well, when you look at your sustainability of your company, and I'm going to go down this rabbit hole for just a second to demonstrate a point here. When we look at sustainability of our company, we think of tech internal controls. We think of our scope one or scope two emissions, as we call it in sustainability. We think of our ability to control affluence, waste, emissions within our organizations. When we're looking at a supplier, we're actually looking at their internal controls. And so when we say health and safety is a different animal, and that's an internal controls program to make sure that factory conditions are up to snuff so that there's safety for workers, we sometimes put that in a box because we say that's an internal controls review where I'm focused now on the labor aspects of an organization. But if you put those two together and you say, I'm thinking of working hours and excessive overtime within a factory, I'm thinking of child labor within my supply chain, and I'm looking at this and I'm focused on this today. If you think about the way that you might deliver corrective actions for excessive overtime for child labor Sometimes those actually correlate very well to health and safety initiatives. Oftentimes, some of the disasters that come out when we think of labor rights issues come out because of health and safety issues. If we think of the building collapse in Bangladesh a few years ago that had a major impact on the textile industry and obviously the lives of those individuals in Bangladesh, that was actually caused through a health and safety issue. And so when we talk about what those organizations were doing to evaluate their supply chains, oftentimes they were looking just at the labor practices, meaning they were looking to ensure that there was no child labor, excessive overtime, and they didn't have a broader set of CSR controls to say, what am I doing to look at every aspect that impacts that employee's life? Factory safety, policies and procedures, personal protective equipment, And then we're also looking at the treatment of those individual workers, whether it be forced or bonded labor or child labor, excessive overtime, whatever those issues are, because we've got to think of all of those things as ripples in a pond. And if we start to think about the entire surface of the pond, then we'll start to address those issues together and we'll make sure that the supplier has corrective actions that's appropriate for their business to help impact those issues. So if we go in hindsight is always 2020. So if we go in hindsight and look at that particular example in Bangladesh, if we had broader CSR programs, I'm talking about the industry that was impacted by that major issue that came out, if they had broader CSR initiatives to address not just labor rights issues, but also factory safety and all of the aspects that might impact an employee's life, perhaps some of those issues could have been avoided or addressed proactively to help reduce the risk and the impact of those employees and their families. That's really a great example. But the other thing that struck me was uh, your analogy to the ripples in a pond and how, certainly from my perspective, from compliance, those ripples, further you get away from where the stone was dropped into the pond, they can get bigger and bigger and really move towards not only a reputational incident, but but perhaps even a legal violation if it's not caught or detected early and then a remediation brought to the situation. So how does the typical compliance tripartite program of prevent, detect, and remediate work in or with CSR, or would you guys use a different formula? 
Actually, I think communication is always the key, but talking about the formula in which you deliver information is when we focus too much on one issue, we have a tendency to ignore other information and we're not able to share that other information because we're, we're ignoring it. We're not addressing it. We're not getting the right, you know, owners involved or the right stakeholders involved. So here's a really pertinent example to 2018 to right now that's happening conflict minerals okay this is a big csr initiative this is has regulatory reporting impact on organizations it's not necessarily enforced by the sec but it is required to be a part of your annual report what's happening in conflict minerals investigations is we're going and looking at deep into our supply chains at sourcing information and the conflict minerals process that's been going on since the inception of Dodd-Frank 1502 to now is we focus exclusively on two things. We focus on source of origin verification, and then we focus on chain of custody, meaning we want to make sure we know exactly where that raw material, that metal came from. And then we're going to make sure that it wasn't tampered with as it changed hands through the upstream supply chain, meaning mine to smelter. And then we're going to evaluate that smelter for its ability to demonstrate that, that verifiable chain of custody or source of origin information. What happens is, is that when we think about ripples in the pond and other issues in compliance and how we communicate with compliance officers is there's a major issue going on right now where some of those smelters, those metal refineries or even mining locations around the globe are under trade sanction. This is a huge issue. There are Russian oligarchs that are now under OFAC sanctions who are owners of particular refineries, and companies have to address this in their supply chain. As CSR professionals, we need to understand when it's time to raise the red flag and say, compliance officer, trade compliance team, I need you to get involved in this because I've now uncovered an issue that's within your wheelhouse. And how we communicate those issues is a big impact. And you can really see based on the way some companies communicate that request, if you will, for information from their supply chain, you can see where the trade compliance team is involved and where they're not. And what I mean by that is when we go out and we make straight demands, remove this source today from my supply chain, sometimes we may not have all the information we need in order to be effective in our program. And we may not be involved in the right stakeholders because when you talk to a trade compliance officer, they might be saying, well, wait a second, making an all-out demand is one thing, but that might lead the supplier to then just simply remove that from their next declaration without actually taking actions or performing due diligence. And so then when you see compliance teams that are involved in that and we see the communication that happens between CSR, you see a much different approach to that because you'll see a very regimented due diligence process to both address the issue, make the supplier aware, explain the impact, and come up with a mitigation plan to deal with how we remove these sources so that we don't end up in a trade compliance issue because we are knowingly sourcing from a sanctioned material source. So you really see the organizations that have that synergy between CSR and compliance and some of them that don't necessarily have that synergy. And so our goal, in a sense, one of our goals is to make sure that we always involve the right stakeholder in the issue because we have to respect when a CSR uncovers an issue that could lead to a compliance violation, that could lead to a fine or enforcement issue. We need to make sure that we help those CSR professionals get their right stakeholders from compliance involved in order to address those issues. And the more proactive you are, the more due diligence you're able to represent should you have an issue or an enforcement action that comes upon you and you need to be able to demonstrate that due diligence. Because 
as you and I both know, Tom, demonstrating the due diligence is nine-tenths of the way to ensuring that you're clean in a situation. So, Jared, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but this has been a fascinating exploration of not only how CSR works, but I think more importantly, the innovations that CSR brings to the compliance realm and also how Ascent Compliance really helps both sides of corporate discipline, CSR and compliance move forward in what I think is really a proactive role leading to greater business efficiencies. Jared, thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Thank you for having me, Tom. I really appreciate it. If you want to stay up to date on the latest innovations in compliance and help your business run more efficiently, subscribe to this podcast and help spread the word by leaving a review.